0: Welcome to Sober Stories, a podcast dedicated to the power and change that can come from really, really great storytelling. We believe that stories are a massively transformational medium. When we can see ourselves in someone's story, when we share our own story, that's when the magic happens. Here, we tell stories of folks all across the silver spectrum with hope, honesty, inspiration, and probably a few sparkling water jokes. I'm your host, Beth Bowen, and it's a huge honor to be Chief Story Steward around here. With our guests, we pull back the curtain on the good, the bad, and sometimes the downright ugly of what it looks like to ditch the booze, changing the world one podcast episode at a time. Y'all ready? Hey, Sober Stories crew. Thanks for tuning into another episode of our show. We're actually stepping into the last two episodes of our first season of Sober Stories, and I just want to tell you how much it means to us that you are here listening to these stories. I've got a really fun conversation for you today. I had the opportunity to interview Kevin Kreider of Netflix's Bling Empire. Kevin Kreider is an actor, speaker, model, and the founder of the new non-alcoholic beverage company Sons. Starting off in the fitness industry, he was signed with one of the most prestigious modeling agencies in New York City. In 2014, the stress and nonstop nature of the modeling industry took a toll on his body, and Kevin was diagnosed with alopecia areata. He took a few years off, got sober in 2015, and took a leap of faith by moving to LA. There, he was offered the role in Netflix's international hit, Bling Empire, the first all-Asian-American reality TV show. Kevin and I dug into some really great topics, like the importance of visibility and recovery, and how alcohol plays a role in Hollywood. And yes, we've got some *Ling Empire season three gossip right in time for the new release. After you give today's episode a listen, tag Kevin and let us know what your biggest takeaway was. Here we go. All right, sober stories. Give a warm welcome to Kevin Creeter to the Sober Stories podcast. Kevin, thanks for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me, Beth.
0: I know you are very busy with press and moving and the launch of your new company, so we will keep this short and sweet today. But I'm just really excited to hear more about your sober story. I know we got a little bit of an introduction to it on Season 2 of Bling Empire, but I know there's always so much more than what we see on the cameras. So for those who are not familiar with you, for those who maybe haven't watched the show, don't have a Netflix subscription, whatever, Can you give us a uh, kind of overview of who you are, where you are, what you do?
1: Sure. Uh, One is, um, how could you not have access to Netflix (laughs) at this point?
0: Yeah, it's 2022.
1: Sure. I'm Kevin Kreider. I'm I'm adopted from Korea when I was three years old. And I grew up in a white family in Philadelphia. And what I do, like my background is actually in health and fitness, exercise Mm -hmm. science at Temple University. And I went into modeling. Uh, After personal training and bodybuilding career, because personally, I wanted to see uh, more Asian faces that look like me in the beauty industry. Because I realized that shortly just being bullied and rejected as a kid for being Asian, just Mm -hmm. strictly being Asian. uh, I realized it's very early on. It's because there was discrimination in the entertainment world, in the Mm -hmm. modeling world, where we set the standards for who's attractive and who's not, who's desirable who's not. And I saw all of the stereotypes that were super detrimental to me growing up. Um, and it did the opposite effect. Instead of making me feel like it was, um, something that I didn't belong in, it actually drove me to actually make change in this. Mm. Same thing with even being sober. I've been sober for almost seven years. After the first year of sobriety, I realized I want to make change in this. Like, I want to destigmatize, uh, what recovery and sobriety looks like because for me i didn't think it looked cool it didn't it wasn't talked about enough uh, it was something that was kind of shame talked. Mm-hmm. and so then i wanted to do something to empower people to become sober and what i realized i did the same thing what i did was asian men and masculinity and sexuality mm-hmm. feeling good about ourselves if we don't see it we'll never believe it or we'll mm-hmm. never want to aspire to become something like that um, and so in sobriety I've realized that needs to change just like Asian masculinity did. Mm-hmm. If I'm an Asian guy and I don't see someone that looks like me do the things that are aspirational or even sexy and cool,
2: mm-hmm.
1: why would I want to be an Asian guy? If I see it all being those negative stereotypes that we saw in the past, Ching Chang Chong, the foreigner, or the virus now, right? Mm-hmm. Because the things that we see in the media, um, which, by the way, I'm not even Chinese, right? Mm-hmm. Which is that that's the detriment of stereotypes why would i want to be asian why Mm -hmm. would an asian girl even want to date an asian guy? you know like so the same thing about being sober why would anybody want to be sober if we only see people just relapse all the time Mm -hmm. messing up in life and we don't see anybody aspirational Mm -hmm. um, and we only want to see people's falls but we don't want to see them rise and we don't talk about that so my journey in sobriety was so important to me to talk about that in Bling Empire for two reasons.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: One, it was the first all Asian American reality show. It's still one of those shows that uh, is groundbreaking because when I go to all the awards and events, I'm still one of the only Asian people there presenting. Mm. Actually, I am the only Asian one presenting an award or anything. Two, Asians aren't sober. Mm-hmm. Like there's a stigmatism in Asia and even Asians here. That we uh, that it's weakness that we're mm. that we're too weak. Uh, you know, you, you're mentally not you're mentally broken. So I wanted to change both of that because it's not true. I gained the most power and the most control, the most discipline, and the best mindset I've ever had because I got sober, mm. not because I had to get sober.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so I know the whole reason I even knew to reach out to you is that you talk about this on season two of Bling Empire, and we got kind of a glimpse of it. But I'm wondering if you could tell us the backstory, tell us your sober story, how you got to where you are today.
1: Sure. I'll even tell you a little backstory about season one, why you didn't Mm -hmm. see any sobriety at all. And that's because we actually didn't have anybody who was a producer or a showrunner to understand what sobriety hmm. was.
0: Interesting. Literally,
1: um, I spoke about it so much. I was like, no, hmm. I can't hold this drink because I can't drink. You know, like yeah. all the time, we're like, hey, who wants a drink? Like, I don't drink. Um, and then I'd share with the cast, I'm sober, blah, blah, blah. And I tell you this story that I'll probably tell you in a few minutes. But it's like, they made me look like this party guy, but because mm-hmm. they didn't know how to, else to portray me as a sober guy. Interesting. Then in season two, we had a showrunner who was sober, uh, not hmm. showrunner. We had a producer who was on our show who was sober. And he said, how could you guys not share this? This is yeah. groundbreaking, especially in the Asian community. Mm. Like, it's an interest. And they're like, well, what is sobriety? Like, because mm. we just see celebrities relapse. Right. So, and he's like, no, like, all you do is see in the media people who need to get sober or relapse. Mm-hmm. Like but you don't see somebody in their journey of sobriety. Right. And... It changed immediately. We had one one scene with my so, uh, my sponsor, and mm-hmm. they're like, "This is good." And we're like, "No shit, sobriety is awesome." You know, like yeah. we have really in depth conversations, and like you know, when you look at all these self help books and these podcasts that are self help, it's all sobriety stuff. They quote mm-hmm. shit from AA. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's crazy, right? But they, they, they other people from outside don't know it's AA because they detach the stigmatism around mm-hmm. AA. But then these other people are using AA stuff
2: mm-hmm. to
1: attract other people. And by the way, bank off of
2: mm-hmm.
1: other people. But these other people don't realize they're getting sobriety in AA in 12 steps.
2: Yeah. But so
1: my, my journey really started back in New York City when I, I hit my rock bottom. Like I, mm-hmm. I lost all my hair actually from alopecia areata, which is stress mm-hmm. induced hair loss. And um, you would have thought that would bring me into sobriety mm. i remember i had a roommate at the time um i had six roommates at the time but one of them was sober and he's like you should come to AA with me you know and i was like nah, i'm good you mm-hmm. know i thought it was just good for him you know you got your problems i'll fix mine and then after i lost all my hair and came back to philadelphia broken really resentful of uh the industry right mm-hmm. um being an asian guy like Everything that made me feel different than everybody else. I had a girlfriend at the time that I really, really, really fell in love with hard. And um, I was just getting sober and I couldn't handle it mentally. I didn't Mm -hmm. know if I was getting sober for myself or if it was for her or whatever. It's just like it made things so confusing and we broke up in a bloody mess. And I knew I needed to get sober then. That was the time because I realized like I really needed help. And it happened on December 13th. Was it 2016?
0: 2015?
1: Yeah, 2015. Sorry, I'm losing, losing track of years now. But um, It's
0: good when you can lose track.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so, and, and, and I know they have apps for that now, but uh, I, I, 2015, it was an Eagles game, and I was back home in Philadelphia. And uh, the night before, I only had two glasses of wine, and I just knew it was enough. I felt horrible. I was like, man, this is not getting better. It's getting worse. I'm feeling worse. I'm arguing with people all the time, still mm. I can't I feel so
2: discontent
1: all the time,
2: mm-hmm. bitter,
1: and it just didn't feel good, you know, and then it really just changed at that moment. I was like i realize i I'm, I'm i'm I need to get sober, and i mm. need this is the last time I'll be doing this and to be real, like the first few months was really tough, yeah, but uh after the first few months and I started to do the steps, it was around step nine where I started making amends. Yeah, I never felt better. Mm. I never felt lonely in that sense of uh despair or I never felt that way again. That that low, low, low feeling. And um here I am, almost mm. seven years later and my um whole life is because I got sober. And some people can handle it, like right. I have friends and family, but it's just like for me, we um I, I, I use uh, substances to really numb me and to, to yep. make me feel better, to kind of yep. hide. And it's like me drinking alcohol is kind of like drinking a lie my whole life. Mm.
0: Yeah. I mean, and I think there's so many powerful pieces to that. I I love what you said about drinking alcohol was like drinking a lie. And I think a lot of us step out of it and realize that this in many ways has been a lie that we've been told about what it is, how we're supposed to be able to use it, if it's glamorous, if it's fun, if it's required for celebration, and you know, I think there's so many pieces that we see clearly when we step away from it and we remove ourselves from both the physical and kind of the socialized aspect of it. I really appreciate your story about the alopecia. Uh, on a personal note, my son Will is seven, and he has alopecia areata as well, and it's uh, speaking on representation again, it's just like a really interesting piece that comes from when we share our stories and when we share our vulnerable parts and the hard parts. And it's cool that I get to say, hey, buddy, like here's this cool guy, Kevin, who also has experienced this, who also has this medical condition and look where he is now. But Mm -hmm. one of the things that you said that really stood out to me is that so much of this was like this rock bottom, this this time in your life where all of these things came together at once. It sounds like the overarching piece to all of this was the alcohol, and that we were going through, you were going through these experiences, but all of it was colored by alcohol. And those first couple of months without it were hard. What did that look like for you?
1: Yeah, the first couple of months was hard because I almost felt like maybe this uh, sobriety was a lie, right? <laughs> like where where am I going to go after this without? alcohol you know because uh promises of alcohol were like you were supposed to live a life Mm -hmm. that was wild fun carefree everything's possible Mm -hmm. girls rock and roll dance (laughs) friends fame fortune all of that stuff and actually it was the opposite it Mm -hmm. destroyed me it made me chase the things that weren't so glamorous and so meaningful and made me feel even more uh worse about myself mm-hmm. um so those promises were, were really crazy mm-hmm. because when i heard the promises of AA, i was like wow that's the that's, that's the best stuff that i thought i was going to get from alcohol mm-hmm. you know yeah. um live a life beyond my wildest dreams that's what alcohol was supposed to do and when i realized that what sobriety what that meant from for what i my interpretation was Take my wildest dreams and I'm now beyond it. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to go back to the party life. I go to a club and I feel kind of like, like, wow, okay, that's where I used to be at. And it's not feeling sorry for the people, actually. I know some people in sobriety will say, I feel sorry. I was like, no, I'm like, I'm really just glad I'm not in that position where I feel like I need to go to a club to let loose. Hmm. Or to do all these things and dance, like I can just dance silly in my room if I want to or my apartment, <laughs> or sing like a crazy man. Like it's a, it's a relief. And like I just constantly feel like a relief every hmm. moment, moment to moment in my life. Whereas like people who drink only feel that relief in that moment when they drink. And so I'm like, man, I get it all day long. Mm. You know, I'm, I don't need a substance for that. The only substance, I guess, if you want to call it something, because I had a family member who challenged me and said, well, isn't, isn't recovery and steps going to be your new addiction? It's like, well, mm. you can be addicted to it. You know, I would probably say I was a recovering self-help addict at one point, you
2: know, <laughs> yeah.
1: always thought I needed help and to change things and something's broken and I need to fix it, you know, mm. and I realized, you know what? There's nothing to fix. Yeah. Right. There's steps and, and progress I need to do in my life, but like the steps really shaped me uh, uh, in a really great way to live that no other, no other thing or substance or being could ever do for me. And it's shaped my characters, what it is more than anything. I think as humans, no matter how crappy or evil or good you think you are, you're never all of all of one. Right. But I do think we have this thing called shame and guilt, no matter what we think. And if we don't clean that shame and guilt, you don't have that light, that spark mm. that a lot of people have in sobriety. But then if there's people in sobriety who don't have that, it's because they didn't do the steps. Yeah. Um, they didn't do the cleaning up their past to like relieve themselves of the bondage of self is what they mm. say, in the book. right? For sobriety, like I just think we get the promises and it's free. <laughs> yeah. <You know?
2: laughs>
0: It's free. I like that. Yeah. And 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 I tell people all the time, I didn't grow up, if you will. I didn't get sober in the 12 steps. I got sober outside of the 12 steps. And I think I always had a little bit of a misconception of of what it was, what AA was, what the big book taught. And it's all it's all self help. Like everything in the steps is really taking that inventory, really getting to know yourself, being honest, removing ego. It's all self help. And it's funny to me. Sometimes that there's a whole industry about quote unquote self-help and so many of those people won't even consider taking alcohol out of the equation
2: mm-hmm. because
0: you know I think I see my my clinical background I'm a clinical therapist, so my background is in therapy and we see all of these people stepping into crisis or like having issues in their life and and they've got all this stuff and they want all this help and they're spending all the money on the books and the courses and everything. And I'm like, what if you just removed alcohol? <laughs> what if yeah. that was like the one thing between you and quote unquote, fixing everything. Or like you said, like you don't even need to fix something, but there is this component that we've allowed in our lives that really has the power to change so much of it.
1: So much. And you know, it's a business, right? For a lot of these self-help people, they Mm -hmm. they only want to help you to a certain extent because you need to keep coming back to them, Mm -hmm. right? And I even talked to somebody yesterday about that, uh, about personal training. The reason why I didn't like personal training is because most people actually just need a nutritionist. They don't need a personal trainer. They don't need to come to me three times a week. But the trainers want to make you feel that way because you're never fit enough. I'm not going to tell you everything you need to know. The nutrition is really the key. Like, you know, I heard somebody paying 1800 bucks or something for 12 sessions. And I was like, yeah. excuse me, like, okay, what's your nutrition plan? Well, didn't even talk about it. Mm. You know, that's like kinda just telling somebody who has an alcohol problem or wants to stop drinking, just stop drinking. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but come to me three times a week and I'll tell you yeah. just, just stop quit drinking. drinking. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, you gotta get them the bulk, but you don't want to because you wanna make more money. Yeah. So I think a lot of these people who do self-help, A, there's a lot of people who aren't aware that it comes from 12 steps, right? Mm-hmm. Or uh, Buddhism philosophy, whatever, yes. you know? And two, I think a lot of them just want to bank off of it. Mm-hmm. And actually, there's a third one. There are people who want to do both, but at the same time, they are catering to a group of people who will never go into an AA room or right. do the 12 steps. So it is somewhat helpful. But for me... What happened to me is that I, it became an addiction because I was like, well, what is this? What? Where's what, the – like there has to be more because this doesn't feel good enough just to tell me I'm a badass. You know what I mean? Like or, <laughs> affirmations.
0: like Yeah. Uh, I know which book you're referencing what's to. Special, yeah. yeah what special
1: <laughs> affirmations in this book? You know what I mean? Like,
0: <laughs> so talk to me about the show. You mentioned season one. Your sobriety wasn't touched on at all and producers were handing you drinks and – there's a lot of partying in the show and a lot of fancy clubs and fancy dinners and expensive wine. What has it been like to be on such a lavish show, first and foremost, but also being around this party culture, this I mean, not only are you in Hollywood, you're on a reality show, you're with people who have exorbitant amounts of money and there's just booze flowing in all the episodes. What has that been like and what has that evolved or how has that evolved over the seasons?
2: So.
1: It's kind of crazy because the dirty little secret is most of us don't drink on the show. Interesting. Yeah. It's, it's um, that perception that we do, but we don't. Mm-hmm. But that's the perception that I want to change is that, okay, you can do everything that you think people are doing while they're drinking, but you're not drinking.
2: Mm-hmm. And then
1: that's why I think sometimes you need a symbol for that, right? Like sometimes people who are tequila drinkers, oh, it's going to be a crazy night. I don't know who I'm going to sleep with. So here's tequila, right? I'm sophisticated, but I let the drink get drunk. Here's wine, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's why I realized in that industry, well, there's not a beverage that resembles people who don't drink. You know? Um, and when I mean resemble, I I mean like really resembles it. Not trying to hide and make it look like you're drinking something, but you're really Mm -hmm. not. You know, it's like this is a symbol to not drink. That's where Mm Got the uh, idea and concept a year and a half ago to create my own beverage company. Yes, and like in season three, there is more coverage of my sobriety story, cool. uh, building a business, um, sons, my beverage mm-hmm. company. I'm actually not quite too sure if all of that makes it, but I do know from the producers they said the sobriety is still a story in my in my uh, season three arc, which is great because you know that is my life. That is my authentic self. And I think it's cool because it's like I get to tell something that's real on such a big level and Mm -hmm. huge platform. And I get to, you know, what Gandhi said, be the change in the world, you know, not talk about being the change, actually being the change in the world. And that was a hard concept for me to do because I remember my first season in Bling Empire. uh, I talked about Asian masculinity a lot in my Mm -hmm. life. That was kind of my platform speaker, yeah. you know, everything. And my I remember my showrunner actually had this tummy at point. It's like now you get to be that Asian guy. You don't have mm. to talk about it, you know? Mm. And I was like, Wow, that's powerful. Mm. You know? And it didn't mean that like I couldn't do the things that I wanted to change. You know, I could be that Asian guy that was like, you know, romanticized or having sexual relationships with uh, whoever my partner or whatever you know but which isn't shown on TV or anything really that much but then now in sobriety I don't have to talk about being a sober. I get to do it off the show like Mm -hmm. now but on the show I get to just be that guy I get to have talks with my sponsor I get to go through step work I get to celebrate my sixth year anniversary or something Mm -hmm. I get to do that instead of Talking about it, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. Because, you know, like kids, they always say this about kids kids do what you do, not what you say. So if you're a parent and you're like, don't smoke, don't become an asshole like me and you're an asshole, (laughs) (laughs) right? You're going to do that, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, I remember watching season two and it's the scene. I think it's the second time you go visit your sponsor. The first time I loved it because you're like, this is what 10 years of sobriety gets you. And it's like this amazing view of LA. But y'all sit down and you have a conversation where you're like, this is actually feeling really hard. And I can picture where I was watching that. And it was one of those things that I I like pointed at the TV as like, oh my God, that's a sober person talking about sobriety and it being difficult on TV. And I think that is so revolutionary. Yeah. Like you said, I think so much of what your story is and what I read with what you're doing with songs, and all of the stuff that you're talking about right now is really like, how do you increase visibility? How do you represent? A different diverse group of people who are maybe perhaps they don't have an access point to sobriety. They don't necessarily have a door in because they don't see themselves represented. They don't, it's not cultural. It's not part of their worldview. It's not part of their family. And to see somebody like you on the television show sitting down, talking to your sponsor, saying, This is feeling really hard, I think is so, so powerful. If you've been around here for a minute you know that therapy has been one of the most essential tools mentioned in the success stories of folks building a life without alcohol in fact as a therapist who's in therapy myself i'm one of the biggest cheerleaders of connecting with a licensed professional and talking about the joys and struggles of changing our relationship with alcohol that's why we're happy to partner with BetterHelp, a digital therapy platform that offers licensed therapists trained to listen and help you. BetterHelp has a network of over 20,000 therapists with a broad range of expertise, giving you online convenient access to support. It's easy. Fill out a questionnaire describing your specific needs and you'll be matched with a therapist in less than 48 hours. In addition to your secure video or phone therapy sessions, you can exchange unloaded messages with your therapist between the meetings. Join the three million plus people who have taken charge with their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp Therapist. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash stories. That's BetterHelp H E L P dot com slash, Sober soberstories. If you've been hanging out with Sober Stories for a while, you know all about QuitLit, the genre of literature covering the diverse experience of quitting drinking. In fact, we've had some amazing authors on the podcast, like Ruby Warrington of Sober Curious and Amanda E. White of Not Drinking Tonight. Since I know you already enjoy plugging into your sober space via your headphones, we've got the perfect partner for you. It's time to check out Audible. Audible is the leading creator and provider of premium audio storytelling, enriching the lives of millions of listeners every day. Books on Tape have gotten a serious upgrade. With over 200,000 podcasts, audiobooks, guided wellness, and Audible originals available, you can tune into your latest quitlet read on your next Hot Girl Walk or school pickup line. Get a free 30-day trial, including one credit or two for Prime members, good for any premium selection, by visiting audibletrial.com/soberstories. That's audibletrial.com/soberstories. I know that that is part of what Sans is. Can you tell us more about the company, yeah. why you created this, what you were doing with Sans?
1: Yeah, and so what I also love what you said before is that um, sobriety doesn't know race. What I mean by that is like, it's the one thing that me being an Asian guy can cross all cultures and colors and we Mm -hmm. can really get behind sobriety, which is cool because that's where like sans even comes in. I'm introducing Asian culture to any race because Mm -hmm. it's all Asian-themed flavors, something that I used to be very ashamed about growing up. Uh, I remember growing up and like being afraid to even have Chinese food in my backpack,
2: mm.
1: even though I'm not Chinese, right? Because right. right. I just didn't that association of it. And now, anything that's uh, Asian flavored or themed, I'm like in love with. Because mm-hmm. guess what? I get to love and everything about myself. You know, I'm mm-hmm. almost like catching up on all the years of shaming my own self and culture. Right. So this beverage I created also celebrates who I am as an Asian person and sobriety all in a can. And what I really took with me is my health and fitness background, which is like, don't want anything high sugar, I want something healthy for me. And so that's what this that is too. It's like a very much like a health drink. And so what I'm doing in my life and what I wanna do once you know the cans are in my hand, which is coming out this week, is to do everything I would do with alcohol, but without. Mm-hmm. You know, sans means without anyway, so you could do without. And my life has been more about trying to get rid of things instead of getting more. I think that's where uh, sobriety has taught me. And so I want to basically destigmatize and empower sobriety. And that's the mission of sans. And, you know, each can that someone drinks is getting one step closer to that empowerment. Because the more that comes in, the more people drinking, the more people see it, the more that social symbol will be of, oh, wow, you're cool. We could do mm-hmm. without drinking. And it's a whole movement happening right now with uh, Gen Zs. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not going to age you, but like, you know. <laughs> I'm still, not a Gen Z, no. <laughs> I'm not a Gen Z, okay. I didn't no. want to just assume if that. If only.
0: Right. I, I appreciate the compliment, but no, I'm an <laughs> elder millennial.
1: <laughs> okay, so like us millennials, we're seeing now effects of alcohol to our parents will never probably get rid of alcohol because they that's what they grew up with but our new generation is more about belonging Mm -hmm. authenticity and health conscious right Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Hans does all three it's very health conscious 10 calories with adaptogens Uh, it's about belonging you know not excluding ourselves but belonging while also sticking out right Mm -hmm. And then it's authentic because i'm sober i don't drink i actually know what it's like to be a sober man
2: mm-hmm. and i'm
1: not ashamed to tell my story because i know my story will help other people whereas i feel like anybody else who's been a founder and this is not me shame talking yeah. to them i just realized there's room for me who's actually mm-hmm. sober right their, their stories could be authentic, but it seems like it's a money grab. You know what I mean? Like they join other companies. They're just the face of it because they're a celebrity. They don't really mm-hmm. do anything except show up to a podcast once in a while, which by mm-hmm. the way, it's part of it. But, you know, I started from the ground up, from the concept, the development, branding, raising money for it, hiring, getting CFOs, having an attorney, setting up the C Corp, uh, setting up the bank accounts, paycheck like all of this stuff operations you know Mm -hmm. ceo and i'm still the marketing and founder Uh, all the restaurants and bars that it's going to be in it's from my own meetings that i took networking selling it myself right like everything so if you asked any of these other founders i I guarantee they don't they didn't do any of that you know they might have done one thing which is show up to
0: a podcast right Right. (laughs) yeah i think that's a really good thing you know Yeah, and that's a really good point because you're right. It is a booming industry. It's an industry that is growing exponentially right now. And you and I have been so. I'm I'm coming up on five years at the end of the year. Actually, in two days. And you know, this didn't exist when I got sober. Like we didn't have non-alcoholic beverages. It wasn't an industry. There was O'Doul's if you wanted something. And so I feel like. You and I have been able to see this evolve over time. And you're right. It is very much money grab. It also cracks me up when I see cracks me up. I say that, but I'm a little salty about it when I see like big alcohol companies buying up little independent um mm-hmm. uh, non-alcoholic beverages because they realize where the trend is going. They realize that more people are opting out. They realize that it is a dying industry. and i I, I think might be still several generations away, but it's really amazing to see somebody. Really starting this from the ground up and trying to change this conversation without, you know, the the celebrity backing or whatever. One of the things I saw was really interesting with this Sons launch is that Christine Chu is sharing Sons at their plastic surgery place yeah. for a celebration. And I think that that is part of changing the conversation, saying- oh. Maybe we normally offer our clients champagne to celebrate, but instead we're going to have sans or we will have sans in addition to champagne. So how are you trying to shift that narrative with this product, if you are at all, if that is something that is part of sans?
1: Yeah, I think the one thing that I, you always probably hear this and, and people trying to get sober too, is like there's a running joke. What am I going to drink at my wedding then? You know, and it's the same thing. What am I going to drink when I'm on a date? What am I going to drink when I'm with my parents? You now have something. Yes. And uh, it's it's a great industry, too, because there's room Mm -hmm. uh, for someone like me, somebody like a cash-grabbing whatever company (laughs) or brand, you know. And look, here's my thing with that. We're no saints, you know, like even those people. They see an opportunity. They're taking it. They're actually doing good, right? Mm -hmm. Because they are getting more sobriety out there. They've proven to me that it's it's desirable. Mm -hmm. But what it's changed for me is like, well, maybe there's room for somebody who's actually authentic behind this, right? Who has a different story, an actual genuine story, right? Not something like, I just don't feel my health benefits. It's a little vain you know what i mean like oh it's just calories and it's not healthy right like we all know that um but for me it's more like okay but then what's crazy about that then they mark up their drinks like 50 grams of like sugar or something you know i'm like really you're really about the health benefits and you didn't want to drink like i don't get it you know
0: yeah also wouldn't it have been nice to be able to opt out because it would be good for our health i'm like (laughs) that's child's life
2: (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah and i think it's just so wild like um so it made me realize like okay everybody's going this route right mm-hmm. let me go where my heart speaks which is mm. i actually don't want something that tastes like alcohol yeah i don't even know if i really want something that looks like alcohol because mm-hmm. i've tried it before and people who catch you you always feel shame so mm. actually better just be totally exposed and authentic and then people mm. just know and people mm-hmm. want to hang out with you because of that. It's more authentic and you'll feel better about yourself when you yeah. are just genuine and authentic about who you are, what you drink, what you put in your body, because everybody knows this now too. Well, in marketing, at least, which is what we buy, where we live, who we hang out with, our, our beverage we drink is a piece of our personality. Mm-hmm. You know, it's what sets us apart to make us uh, feel good and feel mm-hmm. important and to feel like we're, we're special. You know, or to show our personality without having to say it. And I think it's great. I think it's wonderful. And that's why I got in it. And it's a running joke for me because I'm like, wow, I'm in the be- beverage industry. Well, I've been in the beverage program for seven years. So I have <laughs> a lot of experience in the beverage. Yeah. Industry.
0: Yeah. You're very well versed. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. I had 20 years of drinking in the beverage yeah. industry and now seven years like sober in the
0: beverage mm-hmm. industry. Talking about authenticity, one of the things that I that stood out to me the most in in season two, and I recognize this will be this podcast will be out when season three is out, so I have a binge watching um, session scheduled for next week. But in season two, you talk about dating, and I think that that's something that is really scary for people. This idea of quitting drinking and then having to put themselves out there and having to be their full authentic self and fearing rejection and fearing feeling other and feeling like they're missing out. And I know that's part of your story. Can you touch more on what that experience has been like for you?
1: Yeah, I think dating and relationships and love is a huge thing for people who want to stop drinking Mm because, you know, we're socialized that when we go out to drink, we're going to mingle with people. Mm-hmm. We're going to maybe even find that love of our life. You go to a bar for a reason. A lot mm-hmm. of people say it's the atmosphere. Well, I haven't found a bar that I really love the atmosphere of yet, you know, <laughs> uh, compared to my own home. It's like it's more because you want to meet someone.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You want to even converse with people, have a conversation. And that's why I think it's um such a fear because we don't know how to actually have a conversation without alcohol. Most of the time we feel awkward. We feel out of our, in in our skin too much you know mm, we don't yeah. we, we we think about oh what's that person thinking of me all the time you know we're not present we're in our head all the time and so when you get sober it's like it's still there sometimes mm-hmm. but like the one thing that i found is having something in your hand will make us feel better yeah. by default but seltzer water and all that kind of shit doesn't make me feel great you know <laughs> doesn't it's not that tasty and you know, whatever, and it's flat and whatever. I, I, it's just that when we go out, we want something to make us feel good. And mm. sobriety actually makes me feel good all the time. Like I always tell people whenever I go out, they're like, how are you like this? And I'm like, you don't want to see me when I drink. Like, yeah, this is who I thought I could be when I was drinking, you know? Like this is the version that I thought if I drank, I could be free, fun, loving. Present myself back to who I thought I could be with alcohol. And that's the lie about alcohol. Mm. And I feel actually more like myself when I'm sober and not drinking. And Mm. so that's where the fear is, but it takes time, right? Because we spent so many years believing that and practicing it a certain way, you know, being social connecting with people, looking at someone's eyes and seeing them for who they really are and then seeing who you really are, right? Mm. But if you don't have anything to hide and be ashamed of, then it's easier to do it. But, you know, in 12 steps, they teach you how to clean that up. So you don't have to be ashamed. You know, there's a a saying in the program, which is you're only as sick as your secrets for a reason. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have a secret, well, you probably can't look at people in the eyes and really connect authentically at some point, you know? Mm. So, when, we, when we're there with that person, it takes training because we spent so many years covering with alcohol, not being ourselves. Because I don't know if you were like me when I drank. If I met someone the next day, I'd be so fearful because I'm like, oh my God, I gotta get, I gotta get loaded again. I'm not gonna yeah. be the same fun person. Right. But now it's like every day, it's like every day is a great date, you know? People I meet or first encounters or. Whatever, or having a girlfriend now, you know, like stuff like that. Like it's just, I'm, I can be myself every day. I don't need that alcohol. And what a great gift.
0: You know, it's so interesting to, to think that we only know you as your sober version. And I meet people all the time that are like, you know, you live this life and it's, you know, you get to talk to people on Netflix and you have the house and the dream and the, all the things. And I'm like, yeah, you, but you don't know who I was six years ago and you don't know what that looked like and how hard that was. And and when people talk about the fear of stepping into a new space, whether it's dating, socializing, meeting new people without alcohol, I'm like, this is a beautiful opportunity to be exactly who you are. You get to step into a space and say, this is me completely, fully. And I can even reinvent myself in a different way and be the person that I wanted to be. So I, I meet people all the time. I'm like, I never knew you before. I never knew you when you were having your alopecia flare, when you were at that rock bottom when things were coming to a head and we can kind of get to reinvent ourselves, which is cool and, and, and exciting. So if somebody is thinking about getting sober and they're like, but I just don't know, like maybe I need to wait until I've found my partner. What do you say to somebody who's holding off making a change in their life because they're afraid of specifically dating?
1: Yeah. Uh, I'll answer that in a second. Actually, there's documentation of me when I wasn't drinking. Mm. I'm, I'm said when I was drinking in my addiction eight years ago or whatever. You know, like, I guess that's the wild thing about being in entertainment. You get to see the ugly sides, you know? Yeah. I was in a documentary, but the injustice that I thought of the documentary was I was in a blackened drunk out, you know, at the, at the time when I was mm. being filmed uh, for this documentary. And it just made it seem like I was just inner angry and just yelling at this guy. But I was like, no, mm. like, hell? like if you were, I was drunk, you know, which is true. I was blackout mm. drunk, which is part of my story. But they didn't want to tell my sobriety story either in, yeah. in this documentary. So that's what sucks. Uh, yeah. But two, uh, I do want to answer your question. And I just forgot what it was.
0: <laughs> if somebody is considering making a change, if they're thinking like alcohol is not working for me, but I can't deal with that, I I'm too afraid to change anything while I'm trying to meet a partner while I'm trying to date. What do you say to them about alcohol sobriety and dating?
1: Yeah, so I think fear is our number one foe, right? Because we do a lot of things um, or don't do a lot of things because of mm-hmm. fear. You don't want to get sober because we're fearful. But you know, I think sometimes when we're trying to get sober, we don't want to admit that we're fearful, or we're not aware that we're fearful. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the problem. But if we knew we were fearful, we would probably make the change.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: But even if we do knew we were fearful, fear sometimes stops us. But that's where they say courage comes in. We do it even though you're fearful anyway. Um, Mm -hmm. But I, I, I was fearful because I didn't know what the other side looked like. I didn't know what this light experience felt like or looked like. I was like, and part of me almost even became attached to the pain, the misery, mm. the starting over in my life. Because I'm like, wow, kind of like the attention when people really mm. think about it. You know, it's like, oh, Kevin doesn't have his shit together. I like the attention. I like people helping me without me telling them or feeling bad for me. It was attention, yeah. right? That's all I wanted um, at the time. So, like, that was scary to get rid of that. And to know that maybe people are going to look at me for a different reason. Somebody that I could help. I mean, I could help them. Very different, right? So I think for the fear is going into the unknown and not knowing what it looks or feels like. And I got to tell you, sobriety feels like the way I tried to describe it is that every day for about like eight years since I started drinking, I felt so ugh, dark. Mm-hmm. Couldn't really talk to people without alcohol. Couldn't be charming or laugh about things so much, Um, authentically at least. I could put a fake one up. And then I remember maybe once or twice a year, I felt light and free. And I didn't (laughs) know what that was. Just a lucky day. When I'm sober now and I have a grasp on sobriety, every day feels like that lucky day. Like I could talk to anybody on the street. I could have a great conversation. Doesn't have to be on an on day anymore, Mm -hmm. you know? Every day is an on day. And even my off days now is still better than my on day back when I was drinking. So that's the way I kind of describe it, is that that loose freedom, you know, like not being so focused on myself or how I look, how I sound, what people are thinking. Um, I get to be with myself a lot more, Mm. which is great.
0: You know, when you were telling this story about the documentary that has the documentation of a blackout, like... That gave me like a pit in my stomach to think about that experience, to have that documented, to have that. Because I know I've I've deleted all the photos. Like there is not a photo that exists of me. I don't have a before and after picture because they're all gone. I deleted all the photos. Video wasn't really a thing when I was drinking. So there's really no documentation of who I used to be when I was still drinking. And I know earlier you mentioned shame and guilt. And and I'm curious how you worked through some of that with these reminders out there in the ether, really understanding like who you are now is your true authentic self and doesn't need to hold on to that shame. I know shame is so common for people in our space. And I'm curious how you've navigated that.
1: So shame and guilt comes from things that you did in the past or who you are. We're not trusting who you are in certain situations, right? So the way we fix it in 12 steps in sobriety is the immense process, Mm -hmm. character defects, and cleaning up your past, right? Uh, So you kind of got to know your character defects to begin with, like what makes you, for instance, become maybe a dick in dating, right? And making girls (laughs) cry, right? So you got to realize what they are, usually insecurity, fear, and ego. Those are the three things, right? Uh, Am I losing something? Am I gaining something? What am I fearful of? You learn that very quickly in sobriety, but you need somebody accountable. That's why a sponsor is great. Mm -hmm. Not a life coach normally, right? But Mm -hmm. sponsor, because they don't want anything from you except to get better. That's Mm -hmm. really it. There's no money exchange, there's nothing. And then the next part is to actually make amends to that, but learning how to make an amends. Like, so for instance, most people think amends is just, hey, Beth, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Oh no, but what are you gonna do about it? Are you aware of it that you're actually going to maybe even be on time or earlier next time? Like if I'm late, right? Are you going to actually change your actions? So, no wonder you feel like a shitty person because all you did was say, I'm sorry, but you didn't change. Mm. And so, my thing is, I had to realize the things I had to change. So, then that's the next step for me to get that freedom. A lot of people just make amends and they feel better about themselves for a little bit, but I'm continuously in amends, a living amends, which is. Mm in action. Part of my living amends to a lot of the Asian community that I hated for a long time because I felt insecure being an Asian guy, right? It wasn't their fault. That part of my amends is going out there to make a change, to mentor and to be a change for the younger generation of Asian men so they don't have to feel that way. That is making a true amends while helping other people in those situations. Same thing with sobriety, you know? Look down on alcoholics for the longest time or people who didn't drink and made fun and pressure people. You know, what's my amends? Let's change that. You know, it's not me just saying, sorry, Beth, I made you drink that other day and you had to go to the hospital, right? right. Ha, ha, ha. You know, no, that's easy. Any monkey can do that, right? Like a monkey could do that. I shouldn't say any monkey. Like a monkey <laughs> could do that. But like, I think for us as humans, you have to be in action. And the hardest part for a lot of people is they're lazy. They don't want to but they don't realize that will give greatest freedom and purpose yeah. in life.
0: Yeah. I really like that. Moving into action and proving, proving in many ways that we, and I think too with, with drinking, it's so hard to hold secrets or hold promises to ourselves. And then once we start to show people, we can hold promises that we keep both for ourselves and for them. It's really powerful. What? I have so many questions about the upcoming season, but I'll just ask one and maybe start a little drama here on the podcast. I have to ask, who is more fabulous and fun to hang out with in real life, Kane or Anna?
2: Ugh. <laughs> uh,
1: Kane is more fun to hang out in real life, but he's so much drama <laughs> in real life, too. And Anna isn't as much fun because I'll tell you why. If she, show, she might not even show up because right? uh, she's exactly. late or yeah. doesn't show up or, but that's, that's, that's why I mean, it's like, you know, Kane's on time.
2: Like yeah.
1: he, he makes sure we're having a good time and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, like Anna's very drama free though um, <laughs> in real life. So
2: yeah.
0: That's, I just that's love every time you get to rain uh, Anna's closet. Like that's my favorite part of the show. Every time you get the shoes, get the, yeah, yeah that's the best part <laughs> of the show. All right. Well, I know you have so much coming up. You have so much launching this week as this podcast episode comes out. But before we end, I want to ask you one last question. If your story were to be written, if you were to make a story of Kevin and sobriety, what would it be titled?
2: Mm. Damn. That's (laughs) a good
1: one. Oh, maybe. Maybe. Damn. That was a good one. (laughs) I like that.
0: Beautiful. All right. Beautiful. Yeah, I know. It, it, it's funny because people are always writing books too. every time I have this on, have them on the podcast. So a lot of time people have an answer ready for that. And I know you have a lot coming up. Tell our people how they can find you, how they connect with you. Tell us about the new season. Tell us about songs, everything we need to know so we can stay plugged into your world.
2: Thanks.
1: So obviously you can see me on Netflix on Boeing Empire season three coming out October 5th. I also am on social medias all across the board, TikTok, IMDb, LinkedIn, Instagram at Kevin period Kreider, And then my beverage company, Sans, you can find me um, on all the social platforms and the website, Sons and do you Um That's where I'll be sharing a lot of my sobriety stories and content there as well. And yeah, so I can go there and celebrate with people.
0: Amazing. We'll put all the links and everything in the show notes for y'all to connect with Kevin. But Kevin, thank you so much for your time, for your story. I know you're really busy right now. And I just appreciate, I think you and I have very similar ethoses in this idea of representation, storytelling, opening doors for people by showing what this can look like on the other side. So I really appreciate your time today.
1: 100%. Thank you for this opportunity. I always try to make time for sharing my story, especially with
0: sobriety. Beautiful. Thank you for listening to Sober Stories with me, Beth Bowen, and our guest, Kevin Kreider. Season three of Bling Empire is out now on Netflix, so you know where to find me for the weekend. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to us if you took a second to rate and review Sober Stories wherever you get your podcasts. This helps us tell more stories, reach more people, change more lives, one good review at a time. And if you had a big aha moment from today's show, we'd love it if you shared it with us on social media. You can find us at We Are Sober Stories on most platforms. Tag us so we can hear your big takeaways, and you never know when we'll send a little thank you. I also want to thank our team here at Sober Stories, Alexis Archuleta on the mixing and podcast genius side, Callie Williams is our community engagement lead, Daniela Marty for our graphic design, and every single person who has a hand in what we are building. Until next week, my friends.